Wonderful. Welcome to John Borman Evangelism Ministry. All right, let me restart that again. I had a little scratch in my throat, and I am live on YouTube. I'm also live on Anchor Podcast. And I'd like to welcome you guys to John Boardman Evangelism Ministry. And it's all about the Word. What's in the Word and what's going to be preached from the Word. And thank God for His Word that it is infallible and that through the Holy Spirit that He has written through prophets, through apostles, and through disciples. And over a 4,000 year period at different times... The Word of God comes together, and it's about one person, and that is Jesus Christ. So if you want to effectively study the Bible, whenever you go from Genesis chapter 1 and all the way into Revelation chapter 2, you should be asking the question, where is Christ in all of this? And when we see Christ throughout the Bible then we will understand the Bible even more. Now, the Word of God is food for our spirit, just as physical food is for our body. When we want to get strong, we have to eat food and we have to exercise. We have to move. And same way with the spirit. When the spirit needs food, when the spirit wants to get strong, it needs to consume on the Word of God. And it needs to have the body to walk according to the spirit. If you want to stay out of the lust of the flesh, you need to walk according to the Spirit. And now that is my first introduction for the John Borman Evangelism Ministry. And with what I am presenting today does have a point. And what I want to share with you is something that God has been sharing with me for the past couple of years. And I think it's time to share it with you guys. Now, before I share the story, I want to provide a little background on where I was and what I was doing and what happened leading up to where I was and to what I was doing. A, in 2014, May 24, 2014, I married my wife, Hannah. And when we got married, we were both believers and we had a different view of salvation. My wife believed that a person could lose their salvation. And I was on the opposite end where I don't believe that people could lose their salvation. And I was brought up in a Protestant background combination of Presbyterian and Baptist. And I went to Liberty University that is connected to the Southern Baptist. So you can imagine pretty much most of my life right up to where after we got married I was taught that you cannot lose your salvation and I'll use the analogy that hey if you lost it you never really had it so in other words what I was saying is that people that died and gone to hell was never really believers in the first place they never really had it and the salvation is compared to a gift it's a gift that we received as Christians you know a gift did not cost us anything, but it might cost a person that was giving us the gift. And we would receive the gift. And I always thought, you know what, you can never lose your salvation, and we use the gift as an example. Now let me get, let's get you to think real quick. Have you guys ever lost a gift? 
any type of gift. It could be something very insignificant or it could be very significant. Either way, you've lost a gift. If you have not lost a gift, then you probably have not been in this world long enough. And then, Lord willing, if you're in this world long enough, you'll eventually lose a gift. And so, you could lose your salvation. Well, anyways, going back to where I was, you know, my wife believed that you could lose your salvation. And at the time, before we got married, and after I got married, I believed that you could not lose your salvation. And my wife and I, we kind of talked about it. My wife was sharing scriptures, and I was not hearing the way I should have heard it. I was kind of interpreting the way I want to interpret it, but I did not know at that time. And my wife, she's definitely a woman of God. She's definitely a woman full of the Holy Spirit that loves God and loves people. And she really wants to follow him and wants to obey him. So guys, if you have the opportunity to meet a girl that is like that, pray that she is for you. You know, definitely pray, spend some time praying. And, you know, my wife and I were debating, you know, she was going through John chapter 15 verses. Well, she was going to John chapter 15. She was using the vine that Jesus I am the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you could never bear any good fruit. And at the time, when I read it, I always thought about, you know, people that did not bear good fruit were the ones that, yeah, they were believers, but they didn't do anything with Christ. That's how I will look at that verse, you know. And my wife saw, no, no, no. You know, apart from me, you can do nothing, you know. If my word abides in you, you abide in me and you ask and it will be done. And so, in John chapter 15, let me flip that there quickly, you know. And right now, I'm trying to slow down a little bit. And when I share the word of God, I get, I get excited, you know. And sometimes it's hard to contain the spirit. And excuse me if I confuse you guys. And don't worry, I'm not going to do this video and be done. I'm going to be doing many videos. And you could check out johnbormanvangelism.wordpress.com. Or if you go to Spotify or Apple, you just type John Boardman and these things will come up and this will be up on YouTube. So right here in John chapter 15, you know, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, in other words, believers, if you do not do the works along with the faith, Every branch that bears that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may be bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And in verse 6, Jesus explains what happens if you don't bear good fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So these people that did not bear good fruit, they were believers, but they did not do any works. And because they did not do any works 
of bearing good fruit, they were cast into fire. And wherever we see um, things that are cast into fire, it means eternity. It means hell. And, well, my wife saw it the correct way, but I did not see it the correct way. And it was not this verse right here that convinced me. And my wife says, still think about it and still pray about it. And I says, okay, I'll, I'll think about what you say and I'll still pray about it. And at the time when I said that, I was like, no, I'm not going to really pray about this. Eventually, it's going to work itself out to my view. Well, anyways, we had this discussion around 2016, I think either 2016 or 2017. And at that time, I was driving for Uber. And I drove throughout the Northern Virginia area and into the Washington, D.C. area. And I was driving, and I looked back on it. And I look at it as a special revelation, which it was. There's no doubt about it. Because at that time, when I was driving, I was not all of a sudden just beginning to think about what my wife said. Also, in my spirit, I began to think about it. It was my spirit that thought about what the wife said. And it kept on thinking. And the verse that pointed me, which I'm going to be pointing to, is the book of Revelation. There's two passages in Revelation where I looked at where it finally convinced me that you could lose your salvation. And that is in Revelation, I think, chapter 3. Yeah, Revelation chapter 3, where John is writing to the seven churches that Christ told him to write to. And the letters that John wrote to the seven churches was not meant just for the seven churches. But it was also meant for the future churches, which is us right here. And the verse right here, there are two verses. And I think I'll either go one or two with them. It all depends a little bit on where the Spirit takes us. Now, in Revelation, and let me kind of skim it right here. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> Bear with me and... Let's see. Lightens, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. And I do apologize for it. I know it's here, definitely. And let's see. It is in Revelation. Let's see. Well, you know, I'll just go ahead and read this whole entire thing. You never know. There may be someone that needs to read it. I'm actually going to be reading again Re Revelation chapter 2. And begin verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write. These things he says. He holds the seven stars in his right hand. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have attested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent 
and do the first works, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have that you hate, the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is the midst of the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulations, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, and they are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things says, He who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, your, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Behold, you have there those who have hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balaam to put a stumbling block before the church of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent, or I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the church is to him who overcomes. I will give some of the hidden man to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. So, so far, and I'll continue on to show my poem. So, so far, you know, John, we hear John write to Ephesus, Ephesus, we wrote to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos and Thyatria. And we should be under the impression that this church is full of believers. And yet Christ has told these churches to basically to repent of their sins, to turn away from their sins, else he will go against them. And I'll continue on. And to the angel of the church of Thyatria, Thyatira, these things say the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who call herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servant to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual morality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill their children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each of one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the death of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast. 
what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works. Works, there again. Faith and works. We are justified by faith and works. My works until the end. To him, I will give power over the nations. And let me pause right here. Understand what I'm reading. These are the words of Christ. Yes, John recorded what Christ said. And these are the words of Christ. So whenever we look at things and know whether it is right or wrong, we should look at what Christ says about these things. And the people that wrote under Christ, the prophets, the apostles, and disciples, they were under the authority of the Holy Spirit. So the words that they were before Christ came were after Christ was into heaven. And if you put all those things together, it points right to Christ. So again, let me repeat this. that Whenever you study the word of God, God. You should be looking and see where is Christ in all of this? Because remember, he was in the beginning. Christ was not someone that also was created, (coughs) nor was he a man. And then later he realized he was God. Even when Christ was in this world, he already knew who he was. So whenever we look into the scripture, whether we want to try to figure things out, whether it is right or whether it's wrong, how should we teach and what should we say, we should be looking at what Christ did. And these are the words of Christ that I will continue reading right here. And I left off at verse 26 and I'll continue in verse 27. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. As I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write. These things say, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have named that you are alive, but you are dead. So this right here, the church in Sardis gives an impression that they're about to die. But they are dead, you know. I know your works that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Again, works. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. And let me pause right there. Remember, the book of Revelation is for believers. It's for non-believers, which is why they won't understand. And even believers today... They do not understand Revelation. In fact, a lot of pastors don't go to it because they say, oh, it's too difficult. We can't understand it. And we don't want to scare our congregation. And we should not approach the book of Revelation as being fearful, but with joyfulness. Because this gives us a vision on how things will turn out. This gives us assurance that God is in control. And so this book is for believers. And I'll continue on. Be watchful and strengthen things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come to you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So Sardis has a few people in the church that believe and are doing the works. 
And we're coming to one of the verses that finally convinced me that you could lose your salvation. In verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So, the church in Sardis, like the other church, was full of believers. And in Sardis, we see that Jesus says basically to repent. And if you do repent, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. What, what are the names in the book of life? The names in the book of life are people that have believed in Jesus. And therefore, they have the invitation to go into heaven. Well, when the name is written, and the only way that name can be written is when we believe. So the name was already there. The person did believe. However, they were not doing the works. And when they were not doing the works, Christ can blot out their name out of the book of life. And so, looking at Revelations chapter 3, verse 5, is one verse that convinced me that I could lose my salvation. I could lose it. You know, because it's the words of Christ that says, I mean, how do you get your name written in the book of life? Well, in order for you to get into the na- your name in the book of life, you have to believe in Jesus. And not only do you have to believe in Jesus to have faith in him, you also have to do the works. The works that he commanded us to do. Now, as part of the first introduction to John Borman Evangelism Ministry, now I just shared with you how I used to believe once saved, always saved, And now because of my wife's prayer, and most important because of the word, the word pointed to me that I can lose my salvation if I do not do the works. Now, a lot of people that continue to hold on to the false doctrine of once saved, always saved, will misinterpret Paul's letters, just like Martin Luther did. Martin Luther believed that you are justified by faith. And he looked at the letter Galatians and Romans. Now, if that was the only books of the Bible and there was nothing else, then we could say, okay, yes, salvation, once saved, always saved. But you have to take a look at the book of Galatians and the book of Romans, and you have to put it in the rest of the word and to prove that that we are saved by faith and works we have to go to the letter of James now the letter of James was written before Paul's letters and Paul before he went on his missionary journeys did spend some time with James and during the time when James wrote the letter and when Paul wrote his letter people understood repentance they understood that they had to repent for their sins They had to repent for their sins to believe in Jesus. And so they were justified by faith and works. Now, 
Martin Luther did not believe that the book of James should not be added into the Bible, but make it very clear in the, in the Revelations. Let me see who exactly said it. I can't remember if it was John or Jesus. Well, basically at the end of Revelations right here. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. book of revelations right here and my whole point when i show this is i want to see how dangerous it is that when we take out words and put in other words which basically is what the doctor which is a false doctrine that's out of the pit of hell that's satan's doctor satan's doctors once saved always save i mean if he could get christians comfortable you know so comfortable where they're no longer doing the works then that's just fine by him because he'll try to take down as many people down with him into the pit as much as he possibly can. Now, right here in Revelations chapter 22, let's see. Let me go ahead. All right. Blessed is he who. Uh, And I do apologize to delay right here, and I think it's important that I get this right. And whenever I present the word of God, I want to try to do the best that I can to present as much accuracy as okay. Here we go. Boom. For I testify to everyone who hears the words. This is John right here. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of prophecy of this book. If anyone as he sees to him, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from this words of prophecy of this book, God shall take his part from the book of life. Again, there, you could lose your salvation right there. If you either add on or take away from the book of life. And so that's what Martin Luther did. Was that Martin, he took away and he added, basically. And the way that he did it was he isolated the scriptures that he liked. And he believed that you are justified by faith and faith alone. And he took it from the book of Romans and the book of Galatians. And he used other textbooks to kind of support his belief. And, you know, we have to look at the whole entire Bible. We have to see how it fits together. You know, one thing that God does not do is that he does not deal with confusion. He is the God of peace. So whenever you look at the word and we're kind of confused by it, either is we don't know anything yet or we have been mistaught. And we need to go back and see what the word of God says when it comes to salvation. Because this is where this is so important. This is a matter of life or death. If you believe that once saved, always saved, you're probably not really saved, you know. You know, and I know where the Bible says that we shouldn't say who's saved or who's not saved. And yes, I have no idea who is saved and who is not saved. But I could get an indication based upon the fruits that they bear. And once saved, always saved are people that usually don't bear fruit. They don't go out and do the works. And why? 
I'm saved. I don't have to do any works. I mean, I, I believe in Jesus. I accepted his name. I don't have to do any works. And I'm going directly to heaven. He's going to set me for who I am. It doesn't matter how I live my life. I mean, I could be a homosexual. I could be a child pedophile. I could be a murderer. I could be all these things. And I could be saved. And I could still go into heaven because I'm once saved, always saved. But when people hear that person, oh, that person, now nah, he didn't really believe or anything. If he did, though, so he was never really a believer in the first place. But check this out in the book of James right here. Let me go to James. And we're going to be in here for quite a while because James hits us hard. James is like a bus. His word is, his letter is like a bus. He's going to hit us hard with truth. And if you truly are a believer of Christ and you're truly a follower, you will receive it. And yes, if you have been taught the wrong doctrine, well, let's get it correct. Let's look in the word of God. Let's see what it says right here. Let's look in James. We're going to be in James for quite a while. You know, in the book of James right here. You know, I'll begin, let's see, James, verse 15, I'll start. If brothers or sister is naked and desolate of daily food, and one you say to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Again, the works. We can't just say we have to work. Thus, also faith by itself is dead. So when we don't work, and we say we have faith, our faith is dead. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But I like James. He's, he's writing like he's talking to a person that believes that he just has faith. Like he's talking to Martin Luther. I mean, he would say talk about Martin Luther. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith, my, my works. And James is responding. I'm sure someone, well, I believe, I believe. Well, what do you mean with works? And James comes back, you believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You know, the demons, they believe in Jesus. They believe in God. But they're, they're heathens. They are unrepentant sinners. They are rebellious towards God. And that's why they will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And towards the end of Revelation, it's very, very clear on who will not be in the kingdom of heaven. If you look at right here, you know, going back to Revelations, you know, let's see, it's Revelations, right? Let's see. I saw it, and when I was flipping through here, um, and point out who will not be in... Okay, here we go. Boom. All right. I began Revelation chapter 22. I began at verse 12. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. There again, according to his work. Jesus is saying this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of into the city. But outsides are dogs and sorcerers and sexual immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lot and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify you these things in the church. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. So again, 
the people that Jesus listed right, but outside are the dogs. The outsiders refer to people that will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because even though they might have believed, they will still not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they did not do the works that Christ commanded them to do. You know, so, you know, and we could see other constantly we see in Revelation, Jesus talks about repent and the works, repent and the works. And James, his half brother, you know, he talked about faith and works. He talked about if you do not have works with faith, your faith is dead. So, and then we could put it in the rest of the Bible right here. So when we look at Paul's letters, you know, Paul understood repentance, you know, at the church at the time, they understand repentance in such a way that he didn't always need to mention it, where he could just talk about justified by faith. And we look and we put it into James's context right here. Faith without works is dead. So you have to have faith and you have to have works. You know, so, you know, we look at the book of James, we looked at Revelations and we could go through on and on. And probably I'm going to go through this on and on when I do this video. So, you know, I'm going to put on that faith without works is dead faith. And those are the people that will not inherit into the kingdom of heaven. Because remember, I went to Revelation and Jesus basically says that if you don't do these works, even though you believe, I will blot out your name. And when your name is blotted out, that means you will not inherit eternal life, you know. And another example where we see faith without works is dead. If you look at the parables that Jesus told, you know, one of my favorite parables is the parables of the talents. And I always misunderstood. I never quite could understand it. I always thought with the talents that the person would just lose their talent and they will still get into the kingdom of heaven. But if you look further into the parables of the talents, you'll see that is not the case. The talents represents a person's salvation. And the number of talents as they increase is based upon their works. So, let's see, I'm getting closer to here. I know you have one in Matthew right here, in the book of Matthew. Aha! Parables of the talents. Boom. Let's see. Okay, here we go. This is good stuff right here. Let's see. Let's see. I yes, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. Beautiful. Okay. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And it is at Okay, here. verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. In other words, his gifts that we get by salvation. And to one, he gave five talents. To another, two. And to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately, he went on a journey. So, these men that receive these talents, is they represent their believers. And when you believe, you know, you believe you're baptized. The moment that you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. And also at the same time, you receive gifts of the Holy Spirit, which still exist today. They have not ceased to exist. They will cease to exist in when Christ's kingdom comes back. 
Because when we're in Christ's kingdom that is on earth, we have no need for it. Because our works of building the kingdom are done. And what we're going to do is we're forever, forever, we're going to worship Christ. We're going to do what Christ has made us to do in the first place, which offer him true and genuine worship. You know, so these parables of talents is, is they represent believers that have already been saved and they have received the gifts. And he goes on, we go on and see what happens. What do they do with their gifts? Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So his fruit is continued to increase. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one talent dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled their accounts with them. So this day represents the day of judgment when we go before Christ, before we enter into the kingdom of heaven. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides him. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. How about that promotion right there? A promotion that will last forever, and you don't have to worry about people taking away from you. You've already received your eternal promotion right there when you believe and do the works. He also who had to receive two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid and wet and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there is you. Look, there you have what is yours. So a person that was saved, he did not do any works. He did not increase his fruit whatsoever. And this is what happens to him. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you have ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundant. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable service into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So whenever we hear the idea of weeping or gnashing teeth, that is hell, basically. So this person that believed but did not do the works, he did not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He lost his salvation. His name was blotted out of the book of life. And he is in hell forever and forever. You know, So the Bible proves that once saved, always saved is not a correct doctrine. We have to be saved. We have to believe. But not only do we have to believe to have faith, we have to do the works. That's why Christ, after he left and ascended into heaven, he gave the great commission. 
The Great Commission is to build God's kingdom. In fact, the first five books of the New Testament, the Great Commission is in the first five books. That means it must be important. So if you are saved and you believe in Jesus, you have to do the works. You have to do the works. Saved once, always saved. It is, again, I said, it's a doctrine out of the pit of hell. And if you have a pastor or a church that's teaching those things, you need to rebuke them. You need to get out of that church. You need to find a Bible-believing church that teaches that. You know, salvation is based upon faith and works. Well, I will go ahead and end with what I'm sharing today. And I will continue to share at John Borman Evangelist Ministry. And if you look at John Borman, type on Spotify or Apple, you should be able to hear this podcast. And also, hopefully you see this audio in the future. I'm not sure when I'll upload the visual, but we'll see.